welcome to Chevron's Lock the Stargate podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Jess. And I'm Melanie. As usual, we'll offer spoiler warnings before this episode. We will be talking about not just this one, but future ones as well. In addition to our content warning, this episode we will be talking about Thor's Hammer, which is the 10th episode of season one or the ninth, depending on how you're counting. It was written by Catherine Powers, directed by Brad Turner. This is the first of several episodes that he directs, and it aired the 26th of September, 1997. Melanie, what do you got for us synopsis-wise? Uh, the synopsis I have is, whilst exploring Samaria, Samaria? Mm-hmm. Teal'c and Colonel Jack O'Neill are transported to a labyrinth where any Gould will die if they try to escape, leaving the host free. The two nevertheless attempt to find a way out, but are found... By an unwanted visitor who will stop at nothing in killing them as it attempts to escape. Meanwhile, Sam and Daniel use Kendra, a former Gould host, to guide them to the labyrinth. Accurate. Yes. That is very accurate. <laughs> Concise. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So this episode opens with a, the, a briefing room scene where Daniel is discussing the different types of gods in different types of mythology and stuff. And basically taking a very long time to say that if we can assume that the Goa'uld were aliens pretending to be gods, that maybe some of the god good gods from ancient mythologies were also aliens that don't suck. Mm-hmm. A lot of his... uh presented logic is basically like okay what is this actually based on it's it it feels very thin yeah (laughs) i mean there's a lot of good quote-unquote good gods and he like happens to pick thor guys the vikings i I feel like i feel like norse mythology is an okay place to start sure but there's a lot of mythology around you could pick a lot of it's just how convenient that he picked this one Although I would actually say, I mean, mythology is not my strongest subject, but that the Norse gods are, and when it, when we, when it comes to more of the multi-theistic, the polytheistic religions, they're slightly less fickle and horrible and tricky than the other ones. Because even the good gods yeah, in Greek and Roman sure wasn't tricky or fickle at all. What? I said that Loki sure wasn't tricky or fickle at all. Yeah, well, Loki's Loki's not one of the good gods. Yeah, he's the god of mischief. But but because even the good gods in Greek and Roman mythology were still pains in the asses a lot of the time. Yeah. Looking at you, Zeus. Zeus, I would not even call one of the good gods. (laughs) I mean, like, Athena was generally an okay god but still was a jerk i guess my point is just that daniel could have said and then i thought what about athena and then tilt could have been like it's so interesting you brought that up there's actually a planet called olympus that we could go to (laughs) (laughs) it could have been anyone they just happened to pick like there doesn't really seem to be much like thought into this research research other than hey there's other gods around let's pick one right i just i just think it was easier for the writers to build around the norse mythology where you know you can say hey thor is a good guy and then he you know defeats the (laughs) (laughs) 
who are the ghouls. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, and I do like how they intermingled the North, Norse mythology with the Shuban mythology. Me too. I'm yeah. just sad this predated Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> no no shirtless store for us. <laughs> well, we get a shirtless store. Just want. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, I I pulled the clip of Jack basically summarizing what mm-hmm. Daniel says because I thought it was kind of funny. Jack has to do that with some frequency. So well, Jack and Sam both do some like military translating in this episode, like in this scene, I mean. Yeah, the, the whole team takes turns sort of translating for each other when one of them goes off on weird tangents that are personal yeah. to them. So here's Jack translating for Daniel. Yes, sir. I think what Daniel's trying to say is if there is another bunch of aliens out there who are hostile to the ghouls and have equal or superior firepower, we ought to look them up. They could become allies. I have seen the hammer sign before. It is the symbol of a world called Samaria. Al-Jafar taught the sequence of Stargate symbols to that world. Why's that, deal? To ensure that no Goa world goes there. It is forbidden. Something transpired on Samaria that no gold will speak of. Well, I like the sound of that. So do I, Carl. All right, you have a goal. So we once again have a deus machina a little bit here, or a tilk es machina, mm-hmm. where we need we need hmm, we need some alien information. Tilk. <laughs> So this is at least one where I feel like it's more understandable that he hadn't given them this information yet. Yeah. So Because a lot of times it's like, Tilk, buddy, you should have told them that. But this one is pretty specific and is triggered by him seeing that symbol. Yeah. And yeah, so I I give it a pass for that. But yes, it is still the Tilk ex machina of... SG one <laughs> yeah of him having this the solutions to their intelligence problems yeah General Hammond tells them to go they get ready to go and then they have the box that Hammond wants them to give to yes. Thor if they find him created by the Sagan Institute yeah which I love yeah it's a nice little shout out I also like the implication here that there has been some thought into making friends with other races that they might find because so mm-hmm. much of what happens in SG-1 just feels like, oh, we just decided to go to other planets and we haven't given this all that much thought. But this one is like, no, we like contracted out. We reached out to people who deal with this kind of thing and we made a box and I, I, I appreciated that little touch. I want to know what's in the box. What's in the box? Well, they said it was like information no, no, I mean specifically, like, you know oh. how, you know how they're like, oh, like we sent out like a capsule into space. So if aliens pick it up, here's like the songs that we picked or whatever. I want to know what's in that box. And I want to know if Jack had any say in it. He didn't. <laughs> what he did. It would for well, sure be the Simpsons he if he had any say. <laughs> I'm just saying, but I would love to know what's in that box. Yeah. Plus it's just, it's, it's the most, like, I know this is a sci-fi show, but I feel like sometimes it leans more on the military side. And this was a nice like remembrance that this is like a sci-fi show and kind of like Star Trek-y and that we are trying to forge alliances and like, you know, spread our friendships through the galaxies. Yeah. So they go through the wormhole. We go to Samaria and 
they kind of came flying through the wormhole again, which mm-hmm. feels weird. I, they not, I mean, they're so <laughs> inconsistent with that. And except Teal'c comes through pretty, pretty steadily, but the rest of the team comes rolling out. And then all of the natives start laughing at them, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is actually pretty amusing. And a nice change for them immediately being identified as gods. Yeah. And one dude runs off and then the hammer starts powering up. Yes. And Jack tells Daniel to dial back because it looks like some energy weapon is powering up that's going to kill them all. And then Daniel takes a hot moment to question Jack. It was like he said, why? And he said, just do it. And then he did it. Yeah. No time to question. You just do it. He slowly did it. He he turned very slowly around and took his sweet, sweet time dialing. It it wouldn't have mattered. (laughs) I've seen them dial the gate pretty fast before. He seemed like he was going... I'm more just annoyed that Daniel questions Jack when he gives an order. Daniel, turn around, dial home. Why? Don't question. Turn around and do what your CO tells you to do. Right, but But I think... he's not in the military. Exactly. I know, but Jack is still the CO. Jack is still in charge. Jack is in charge, but it's one of those things where it's... I think part of the reason that Daniel does that so much is because they are trying to establish that, like... The others will do what Jack says when when he says to to do it, but that Daniel doesn't have that built into him. Well, he needs to learn because it's going to get very frustrating from this moment forward. (laughs) I'm tired of it. I think I'm immune to it because that's what my children do anytime I ask them to do anything or tell them to do anything. I have no children. I only have employees and I expect them to do what I ask them to do. Does that work for you in your voice? No, it doesn't. Okay, exactly. <laughs> Very frustrating. So I can empathize with Jack here. Right. People suck at following orders. <laughs> it's yeah. just reality. Well, it's terrible. And I'm going to fault Daniel for it every time he does it. <laughs> so I, it's funny, though, because Jack isn't exactly the super best at following orders either. Yeah, that, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> it's only different because it's Jack. Correct. <laughs> All reason that is correct. So the hammer scans everyone, and when it gets to Teal'c, it, like, stops on his belly, and Teal'c starts yelling. Jack's telling him to get out of the way, and so, of course, Jack tackles Teal'c, and they both disappear. Yes, a very Jack move. It is a very Jack move, and we get a quick shot of Carter and Daniel being very perplexed and concerned, and then we get the title sequence. One of the best title sequence intros we ever had so far. What do so you mean? Far. One of the cold open? It's sorry, that's what I meant. Sorry, yeah. cold open. It is a good cold open. I agree with you. A lot of like setup, action, and okay, here's our problem. And credits. Yep. Yeah, the the episode hits the ground running for sure. Then we get Daniel. I, I, I think they're dead. I don't want to hear that. You said Thor liked humans, that he used his weapon to protect them. We go back, we bring another SG team through, and we start a search. Sam in charge. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, and Sam is not having it. I mean, because I don't blame Daniel. Like, from what Tilk told him, it's like Thor's hammer is this scary thing, and all the gold are afraid of it, and then they're just gone. Mm-hmm. And and so he's and he's so upset. He's really upset about it. But then Sam's like, no. <laughs> I won't accept it. Yep. 
Very similar to last episode in Brief Candle when Jack says, hey, I'm going to be dead in two weeks. And Sam's like, not if I can help it. So do I need to keep a running count of how many times Sam's like, not going to have that, <laughs> that people think Jack's dead or something? Should I keep a running count of that too? <laughs> well, I, I definitely feel like at least, because I think we mentioned it in Brief Candle, we're starting to get to this point where Sam's got this like expectation of the impossible. And I think it's starting to like kind of seep into her like attitude. Yeah. There does there definitely does seem to be a certain amount of that that Sam feels a certain responsibility to accomplish the impossible. Yeah. So uh so they're having this conversation, trying to decide what to do before Sam can go back to the SGC to get another team. Then we then Garwin shows up and gives us this classic line. You're a little short for gods. You're a little short for Stormtroopers. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Add that to James Earl Jones's appearance in this, and we're just... Yep. <laughs> this is Star Wars Fest. Yeah, yeah, it, it was great. And then Sam's face, too, when she said that, it made me it made me laugh. So right off the bat, I freaking love Garwin. She's awesome. And I think it's the first time that a woman has been in charge of the culture. Like, nobody was in charge in Brief Candle. Yeah. But I think this is the first time that the people we've interacted with have had a woman in charge and she's like on top of things Mm -hmm. and awesome. So I appreciate that. This episode and like this uh, culture and the way that um, the Sumerians were like costumed gave me some like seriously strong like Xena and Hercules vibes. Okay, thank you. Cause I I kept having to remind myself that I was still on SG1 terms. It was kind of like an SG-1 Xena crossover. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, awesome. I haven't really watched that much Xena. With no Xena. It's fine. Yeah, no Xena. But, you know, Sam's pretty close. I, so I thought it was interesting in this first conversation with Garwin, they're establishing who they are and where they're from. And uh, Sam says that they're from, or Daniel says that they're from Midgard. And Sam says that we might actually have common ancestors. So I feel yes. like this is a little throwaway line that's sort of establishing that Sam is of Nordic descent, presumably. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Or she meant it more generally, like, we're both from Earth. Maybe. But I also, but I took it the same way you did, Shells. It could certainly mean either. It's however uh, you want to interpret it. Yeah. yeah, it's up to you guys. Whatever you feel fits your narrative. Yeah. There, I made a comment that I really liked that the kinds of questions that... um let me see if I can find it. I didn't write them down. But the kinds of questions that Sam was asking in this little exchange is just like, hey, like, could a human host survive? Could. Yeah. Well, so she asks if Thor would kill a human in order to kill a gold. Yeah. And Garwin says, no, absolutely not. Like, our gods are powerful and mighty, but they are just. Yeah. And, and, and basically it was. And, and then she asked, you know, is there anyone who might know where they are? And that's when Garwin says, only one, we call her Kendra. And yes. we find out that Kendra used to be a Goa'uld host, and she was found wandering around in a mountainside, and then she was free of a gold. Yeah, I mean, we we find that out when we meet Kendra. So Garwin says she'll take them to meet, to meet Kendra. And then we get our first glimpse of where Teal'c and Jack are. Yes. Which is in a cave. Some kind of cave where... They come to Teal'c immediately checks on his symbiote. Which is fucking disgusting. It's like, so gross. I hate this symbiote. <laughs> so gross. 
Jack refers to it as Junior, which I'm pretty sure is the first time he's done that. Or maybe. Yeah. yeah maybe. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's the first time. And then there's a Thor hologram explaining to them where they are and why and how this is a protected planet. And that the system lords were alerted. And I also believe that that's the first time we get a reference to the system lords. Some concept of a governing system amongst the Goa'uld. So that's an interesting little tidbit. Didn't they bring up some sort of treaty as well? Yeah. Yeah. A a treaty that eventually ends up helping to protect Earth, right? It's the Protected Planets Treaty. That was correct. And it also kind of establishes that there's like this alien bureaucracy, right? Because it's like, according to code 406 or whatever like they're mm-hmm. even numbered and stuff <laughs> and it's just kind of funny you have this like huge hulking thor hologram that is like talking about codes and treaties and stuff it's kind <laughs> of funny so this prison is exclusively designed for a goa'uld mm-hmm. and at first glance it makes sense it's like you basically like there's basic sustenance in here you can spend out your days here but when you're tired of being in here, you can go kill yourself on that hammer. Mm-hmm. Like, it's basically forced suicide or life imprisonment. Yeah, which I think is a little bit of a problem in terms of actually freeing the hosts, right? Because right. there aren't that many golds who are going to go choose suicide. Right. Especially well, that way, they would probably kill themselves with a rock before they let their hosts free. Yeah. And I also, like, so Thor says there's basic sustenance in the caves. But then, like, later in the episode, they find the remains of, like, old human hosts. So either the basic sustenance ran out or the Gaul just didn't eat and killed both them and the host at the same time. So there's some flaws in the in the plan. Well, um, the the bones had been attacked by a creature, the, the Unas. Right, right, right. We didn't see any actual evidence of sustenance. It mostly no. just looked like a super dank cave. But when they find the human remains, there's like Jack or something like maybe these are, these are the remains of a host or something like that. Oh. Yeah, Teal'c says that the symbiote perished with the host. Mm. And then they discover that there are like marks on the bones and that it was killed by okay. some creature. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of a harsh prison, but you know, well-deserved, I guess. Yeah. Unless you're a, a good guy gold or a Tok'ra or a Jaffa. Yeah. So so after Jack figures out that it's a hologram, he gives us like some classic Jack snark. Joke, I think we just got the answering machine. <laughs> He's such yeah, a goober. It's good. Yeah. So, yeah, so they understand that only the host can leave. And this episode, you guys, I love it so much because, first of all, we get more Teal'c than usual. Like, even just from the start, we've already gotten a decent amount of Teal'c. But the Jack and Teal'c bromance is so strong in this episode, and I love it so yeah. much. I, I just kept writing how awesome they were in my notes <laughs> over and over again. Because Teal'c basically is like, oh, the... Here, I'll just play the clip. You must leave without me. If I stay, I will remain safe. Just relax, Teal'c. I'm not going anywhere. Let's just find this hall of mohair, whatever it's called. <laughs> mohair. <laughs> mew mew. That's, yeah, that's a Jack, no man left behind O'Neill. Yep. He's also, he and Teal'c are also ride or die for each other, for sure. Yeah. They really are ride or die. 
uh, so then we go back to Daniel and Sam who are arriving at Kendra's hut and see that she's using some kind of hand device on a kid and Daniel and Sam like freak out about it. But I mean, get- with good reason. Oh yeah. yeah. Because I mean, they've only ever seen it used in a negative way. And so now they get to see that they can use Google technology in a positive way. <laughs> for sure. But- I don't, I don't blame them for, but also I feel like they're not, at- they're kind of like freaked out by the hand device. But then when Kendra turns around and shows like the entry scar from where the Gaul were, they like step back and like, pull their weapons up and it's just like bros like that's okay all right i mean i thought the hand device would have been scarier but sure the scar is upsetting well yeah it the hand device was a little different than the ribbon device it was a healing device so it looked i don't know i don't blame them for getting defensive but garwin talks them down Mm -hmm. and they see that she heals a kid's broken wrist and that kid is super ungrateful Mm -hmm. she's like bolts up and runs away. Kids okay. these days, am I right? But again, to be fair to this kid, I'm sure that Kendra lives on the outskirts. Everybody knows about her, that she used to be a fool. And she's probably one of those people that you're not supposed to really go see, but you mm-hmm. go see when, you know, you have to go see them. Mm-hmm. So the kid was like, well, I broke my wrist. I need to go see her to get it fixed. And then I'm not supposed to be here. My parents will get mad. Whatever. Runs away. I, I get it. I understand where it comes from, but it also I also think it sucks that this woman like isn't accepted in their culture, but they like send their children to get fixed up by her. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's some bullshit. Yeah. Also, I'm super bitter and I will bring it up again later in season two. But I just want everyone to remember now, this is what Sam could have had. Sam could have harnessed this power. Sam could have been a healer. Sam could have been walking around the universe. With a freaking healing device and a ribbon device on either hand and been harnessing the power. And, and it would have been so much cooler than Zach Guns. <laughs> it would have been so cool. And SG1 squandered it. I have a theory about why this didn't get Tell you me. know more fleshed out. Well, I mean, not not even from like a writing standpoint, but from like a like from like a Sam Carter standpoint. So like in Seth, when she does use the ribbon device to kill Seth, yes. she realized that she could do something like that and i don't think it's in her to to do it does that make sense yes counterpoint in the episode where i can't remember the title of the episode you're gonna say it and i'll remember it when they're doing the treaty between the earth and then thor's like you know mm-hmm. uh mediating and it's earth and the gold and they're doing the treaty episode and sam uses the healing hand device on chronos yes yes i can't remember the, name of the episode but whatever episode that was, she uses a healing device. So at least she could have carried around the healing thing. And then later in line in the sand, when she gets zapped in the chest or in the stomach, she could just whip out her healing device and be like, episode over. Yeah. Or Janet. She could have saved Janet. <laughs> but she wasn't there with Janet. She was She was with Jack. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. But if she was with Janet, she could have saved <laughs> Janet. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think it's the same reason that they destroy every sarcophagus they come across is mm-hmm. that they don't want to have that built in out. Yeah. Then they bring people back from the dead all the time anyway. So I'm not <laughs> sure why they care about that. I'm just forever bitter that Sam Carter could have been some bad. I mean, she is a badass warrior, but like an extra badass warrior with like alien powers wielding and being like the conduit between Earth and Oh, 
forever bitter. I agree with you. I, I agree that, that that could have been taken and it could have been fleshed out and it could have been great. But I also can see why they didn't do it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they could have established limits on the healing device, right? They could or have. even said that because she was only a host for such a short amount of time and she no longer had it, that the, her control of it was limited. Like they could have yeah. let it be a thing without making it overpowered for sure. <sighs> but alas. Anyways, back to Kendra. <laughs> yeah, back to Kendra. So I, am I the only one who got a feeling that Garwin and Kendra were lovers? Because I was picking up a little <laughs> bit of a vibe. I didn't, but I'm here for it. Tell me everything. I mean, yeah, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that, but please continue. <laughs> I was like, Garwin was very like tactile with her and very sweet, and she was so she's so quick to defend her and stand up for her, and said that she visits her with some frequency. So yeah, sounds like Zena and uh, don't you uh, say it, don't you say it, <laughs> don't you say it, Melody. It's the way she explained it, it had the same vibes. I'm just saying. Mm-mm. Uh, um, I really liked that uh, when Sam said hello, she, I don't know if you pulled it or not, but uh, Daniel goes, Hail, and then Sam goes, Hi. I mean, Hail. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Yeah. She's, a, she's an awkward bean. She's the greatest. We don't deserve her. The, no, the clip I did pull is Kendra explains a little bit about how she used to be a ghoul and no longer is. When a ghoul takes over a human host, it's permanent. Not here. Thor's hammer drove it from my body and restored me to my true self. The it, you mean the parasite that was inside of you? Is gone. So that's kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to say, for the majority, and I'll bring it up later when Kendra and Daniel are talking, how Kendra didn't punch everyone, like Sam and Daniel in the face, I don't know. Because I feel like Sam and Daniel are trying to like explain Kendra's own experiences to her. Like, that's not how golden host technology works. Like, not in like a necessarily aggressive way, but like that's their only frame of reference. And Kendra's like, yeah, I lived it, you see. And like, I know... And I'm telling you, that's not how it always is. So let me just try and share it with you. Yeah, for sure. Sam did some of that. I thought Daniel was actually, because he was very inquisitive. Like he just kept asking her, like, what did it feel like? What happened? How did it go? Like what he just really kept asking questions. And I thought he was pretty sweet with her. Yes, except for when, and it's when they're talking about Teal'c and like, the next not, it's the next scene with it's them. the next next scene together and i'll wait till we get there but there's I, one moment where i was like lol daniel mansplaining <laughs> so we'll go back to teal and jack just being bros some more that not that much happens here they find the bones they discern determine that it was killed by something scary jack jack thinks that it must that an animal must have gotten into the cave and if something got in then they can get out so they just need to find a way out and then they walk away and you get like the ominous claws yes (laughs) the return of stupid audience shots is fully (laughs) here stupid audience shots like no 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 uh so like we get that establishing shot of the unas and then later when he leaves his unas perch there's a lingering shot of an empty Empty. (laughs) (laughs) it's like 
it's like a solid three or four seconds it like, is guys I, you guys where'd I, he go i like paused it and turned up the brightness i was like am i is there some, yeah. something here what did i miss? it's a very lingering shot yeah no i thought this shot was fine because it was establishing yeah, that there's something totally terrible in there with him but i absolutely agree when they did that yes. i was like okay it's no he's not there anymore okay nope where'd i will he- say i super like the this episode, I will say, I, I like a lot. Um, it's one that I've definitely seen multiple times. I love Monster of the Week episodes. I will watch them all day, every day, and never be tired of them. And this is, like, definitely on, like, the horror end of, like, a Monster of the Week. And I'm living for it. And I think the Unas looks cool. The makeup is cool. The prosthetics are cool. It's all making me very happy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that, I mean, that's pretty much all we get on that cut back to the cave. And then it goes back to Kendra's hut where she says that she was in the, what she called the labyrinth is where the golds are destroyed. Yeah. And Kendra, and so then they explain to her what happened, that their friends got put in there and that one of them is a Jaffa. And Kendra is not a fan of the Jaffa. No. Uh, she kind of loses it. She goes off on them and they, they tried, they, I think this is when Daniel mansplains a bit to her right i take it as mansplaining just because like yeah fucking she knows what a jaffa is like <laughs> she was in the gold ranks and like daniel's like explain literally explained to her like you don't understand like the jaffa have no choice and they carry the like yeah she knows daniel <laughs> she knows it's his one moment i will say he is generally speaking like pretty good with her and like is asking questions because he wants information about Share and like the hopes for Share. But this one moment, I was like, bro, we don't need an explanation of a Jaffa, and neither does she. What yeah. is the point of this? Yeah, and and then both he and Sam are pretty defensive, understandably, because they yeah. love Teal'c, and, and they're just they're trying to get her to understand that he's one of the good guys. Which definitely is a, a little foreshadow for our Korai episode later in the season, yeah. when Teal'c is put on trial. It's like, how much culpability does the Jaffa have in the overall gold system? Yeah, yeah. So Kendra is not pleased and she doesn't want to help them. And then she gets up and walks away. And we get this moment. Did I ask your counsel? <laughs> I fucking love that line. Great. <laughs> it's the equivalent of like old man yells at clouds. <laughs> old woman yells at clouds. <laughs> oh, woman of thunder. What are you talking about? Clouds? <laughs> I um I know I'm 100% going to find that clip on YouTube, clip it and save it at work and just use it as my new like email response. Anytime my boss asks me to do something, just no. Did I can I send the counsel, get out of here. I can send you the audio clip. Bless you. Yes, thank you. I yeah, so I I was wondering if the thunder in this episode is actual communication from like Thor or whatever or because it's very... Yeah. I think it's just well-placed thunder. Just super <laughs> lucky. <laughs> yeah, I think it's well-placed thunder. I think it's a, a planet that probably gets quite a bit of uh, storm clouds, and they just choose to interpret it a certain way. Much like, I don't think Thor is anywhere near no. that planet at no. all. I'm just... Well, I just wonder if he like b- built in some kind of system where anytime someone's like yelling about the gods or something that it like senses it and thunders <laughs> that would actually be kind of cool not gonna lie <laughs> but yeah I, I was just curious about that because the the thunder placements in this episode are quite fortuitous yes 
in terms of convincing Kendra to do what we want her to do. Uh, so after, you know, getting chastised by the Valkyrie that ride the clouds or whatever, she decides that she's going to take them to the labyrinth. And then is this where we have the high, the high key montage? Not yet. First Not we yet. cut back. But you, we're getting, yeah. <laughs> my bad. I skipped ahead. Oh, side note. Another uh, background Sam's face moment. Please take note of Sam's face as she is watching Kendra yell at the clouds. It's a lot of like, <laughs> yes. all right, crazy lady, this is who we're putting our faith in. I yep. No, it's great. It's really great. Uh, so then we go back to the labyrinth, and Jack has Teal'c fire his staff we- staff weapon, and we discover it does it does not work, but Jack's rifle does work because apparently. The, and we actually, this is something that's borne out through the whole series. The Asgard do not consider projectile weapons to be <laughs> any t- type of actual weaponry, basically. Which is great for us humans. Yes. We use them all the time. Love projectiles. So much. Yeah, so, and Teal'c and Jack have also kind of worked out that whatever's going on here could help Shari and Skara. Teal'c mentions it like, oh, this could be helpful for your friend and for Daniel's wife and which I mean we're just kind of doubling down on that because we already established that with yeah (laughs) Daniel and Kendra yeah I mean I guess it's important to know that both sides kind of know what they're working towards I will say so we've talked a lot in other episodes about how uh, annoying the back and forth is Mm. but I I think it works better in this episode other than what we're coming up to with the montage but for the most part it works. It works. Well, and the scenes all kind of have a purpose. And when it's like half of the team and half of the team, instead of just a, cutting away to villains being villainous and not actually yeah. doing anything. Oh, I was just saying, and this is almost like two separate, like related, but separate storylines. So it makes sense where the cuts are placed. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think, it, I think, it, I think they did a pretty good job putting it all together as well. Yeah. So before Kendra will take them, she wants to consult. Thor and makes like a rune circle thing and Daniel is wants to like support her and that Sam is Sam is so impatient in this episode I love it because it's Mm -hmm. like she just she wants to find them and she's so determined but I mean Daniel's probably right in this that you you can't you you need her help you're not gonna find them without her so you gotta just try and encourage her yeah but the way they, that she made it sound like that they were walking towards this labyrinth was that they were kind of just, like, walking around. Yeah. And they weren't really, like, walking with, like, I mean... Purpose. Like, yeah, with purpose. Or, like, in, like, a straight line, as Daniel yeah. said. Yeah. It was just kind of like, oh, we're milling around here. Oh, this doesn't look right. We're going to mill around here. Oh, yeah. this doesn't look right. And so, I mean, I can see why Sam would get frustrated because, like, it seems like they're not getting anything productively done. Yeah, no, I like I said, I, I I totally see where Sam's coming from. I th- I've lost where we are in my notes. Are, are we at the part where she talks about how she her her time in the temple for? Yep, that's that's okay. the scene that okay. we're. Yeah, so she she grew up on a planet or city called Jibana, where beauty is a curse because the goal would want perfect hosts. And so when she was a child, she was hidden away in a temple, and she had she was trained to like prepare herself to for what it would be like to be a host and how do we never come back to this i it dry at the exact same note i wrote i was like wait a second this is first of all 
to hearken back to our Star Wars references, this is Jedi mind training. Cool. Uh-huh. But two, so basically they found a way or a technique to yoga and meditate themselves against the Goa'uld. And we never talk about this again. Never. Like they. We don't get notes. Like they should be taking Kendra back to the SGC with them and being like, train everyone here on yes. how to do this. Yes. I just. No. Nope. Like. Is she the only host that we really come across, like, like who the gall will take? And she's like, I was pretty much cognizant. There was a part of me who was able to control and like, like the perceptions because she was like, I whispered in her ear. Mm-hmm. She was the kind. She, I love that she calls it her beast, by the way. Yeah. My beast was super like ambitious, and I whispered in her ear and forced her to come here, basically. Like. That's fucking genius, and I don't think we've met anybody else who said that they did that. We uh, don't. No, this no. is the only person this that ever it. that ever says that. And then you forget about it. This is not the person you're looking for. <laughs> Scar- yeah. we're, we're doing some Jedi hand waving. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> yeah, uh, Scara has like one moment of control, I think, in like the season finale in the Serpent's Song or whatever. He has like a, he has a, a moment. I think yeah. he has a couple of moments. Yeah. But yes, but the main one is in the one that you're referring to. Yes. And, but yeah, this is definitely, like, again, I don't understand how we never revisit this or try to find Jabana in this temple. Like, but yeah, so I, I, I also wrote that Kendra is a freaking badass. Like, mm-hmm. I, I love Kendra and it breaks my heart that when we come back to Samaria, she's just dead and we don't get to see her again. And I'm that may have been an actress availability thing. I don't know, yeah. but I really liked her, and I would have loved to see a lot more of her, honestly. Especially because we come back to Samaria. Yeah, yeah. So when we come back, everyone's dead except for Gerwin, and which I love Gerwin too. I was excited to see her again, but I would have loved to mm-hmm. see Kendra as well. So then we go back to the labyrinth again. You guys, I spelled labyrinth like six different ways in my notes. <laughs> it's a fake word this time it is a I, fake word because yeah. I wrote it so many times because I was just like writing every time they went back there and it started to look wrong and then I, so I started writing it differently and I was like no that's not right either I just put lab every time because I don't think I can actually spell that word correctly <laughs> so I just put lab <laughs> that's smart that's what I should have done <laughs> so they find water coming in and Jack is like oh you know we could wait a couple hundred years and the water will have worn down the wall the Jack Snark in this episode yes. is so strong. It's so good. And I love it. It is. And then we get our first face-to-face meeting with the James Earl Unas. Yes. Is that actually James Earl Jones or is that just his No. Just his voice. voice. I, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I was like, you look like James Earl Jones, bro. Yeah. I also, it would have been, I was impressed that they got James Earl Jones to do a voiceover for them. I would be like triply impressed if they got him to come in and do full body prosthetics. <laughs> He's probably like, yeah, y'all aren't paying enough. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, so this moment was so interesting to me because Teal looks friggin' terrified, which is in and of itself so terrifying. Yes. He yeah, because he is. I mean, the reaction shots on his face are, man, that boy is shook, and it, <laughs> which is still funny because you know Teal's super terrified face is still not that different from his normal face, but it's there. 
But then we get the classic moment of him being like, you do not exist. <laughs> Which, like, the absurdity of telling something to its face that it doesn't exist. Yes. It's, it's really great. Well, and I also kind of like this idea. I think the Unas as an idea are cool. Like superhuman, uh, super beings who are by all accounts, super powerful, strong, impervious it kind of makes me wonder, like, why did the Goa'uld switch from the Unas to humans? Maybe the humans were more intelligent? Like, they had, like, a more intelligence capacity, maybe? But aren't the same... Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're, like, their own thing. So, like, why... Like, just from my perspective, like, the Unas, like, swipes Jack to the side in that final battle, like, nothing. So, I just... It makes me wonder, other than maybe the Unas were dying out, why... I vaguely remember that being a thing. Yeah. So Although I avoid the Unas. Like, he, like this, the James Earl Unas kind of references, like, our people, like, we're dwindling, our numbers were dwindling or something like that. There's some sort of throwaway line to that. And that's the only reason I could think they would switch. Because otherwise, I'm 100% sticking with the Unas form. Way stronger, way scarier. I wouldn't mess with it. So <laughs> we know that the Gwawuld are obsessed with beauty. True. So, so, mm. so that could be part of it. The the other thing is, at least, and I know this, so going back to the movie, which I know is not always super consistent, but it does say that the Goa'uld chose a human host because they were easy to heal. And so it could keep it alive and fit for longer. Oh, they could last longer. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess they could last longer. You could get more mileage. I mean, I don't mileage. know if that's true because that Unas has been in the cave for <laughs> a thousand years. <laughs> Well, it didn't, but, uh, um, uh, fucking shit. Um, Apophis was around for, like, mm -hmm. a super long time. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Who knows? I'm no, just... I think but with between their healing capabilities and the sarcophagus, they can get, they can make a human host last for a long time. But I would guess that it mostly came down to looks, and there could be something to the intelligence capacity, like, the Goa will carry their own intelligence, but they're still like manipulating the human nervous system, like the host's nervous system. So there's a chance that the capabilities of the host itself in terms of brain capacity and higher functioning might play into account. I have no idea. It's very possible. I just thought it was interesting. Because no, I, I think it's a good point. Like, if I, I had to I was pick... just trying to think, like, if I was being conquered by some Goa'uld, I'd be much more intimidated by some Unas coming at me uh -huh. versus some Goa'uld dress in, like, Egyptian-esque gold things. Yeah, no. I it's... like this thing. You, you can, like that? can't see me, but <laughs> just is doing the weird hand gestures. It's a dance. The Goa'uld seduction dance. <laughs> coming for your planet. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think I think it's a valid point, though. I think the Unas clearly seem to be maybe a better choice for conquerors to use as hosts. Uh, so Jack shoots it like a bunch of times mm -hmm. and it collapses. And Jack asks Teal'c if it's dead and Teal'c <laughs> seems to like check its pulse. Mm -hmm. And But all I'm thinking is that, first of all, he already, like, we know that Unas is incredibly hardy just by the fact that it's survived this long and killed everything else that came in here. And, and it's covered in, like, a, what seems to be, like, armor-proof scales, essentially. Yeah. But there was blood. Or there was, know, like, blue blood. Blue? I don't know what color that was. Green? Is it blue it was, or green? Yeah, it was, like, gooey blue, bluey okay. green. But also, we know that the Goa'uld can heal like that the symbiotes can heal their hosts to an yeah. extent 
And so if it's me, I'm capping that fool in the brainstem. <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe they didn't know that he was, um, had a ghoul inside of him because, yeah, they, like because, because they made it like a real big thing to like zoom in on the eyes and make yeah. sure they glowed. So I can only assume that we okay. didn't realize that, that there was a symbiote. Exactly. Okay. That's fair. But I'm, then- doing, I'm doing some more hand waving. <laughs> more Jedi hand waving on this episode. This is not the Unas you're looking for. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, now we get the walking montage. Wait, wait, wait. Can oh, I go wait. back for yeah. two seconds before no, we go to walking, walking montage? montage? Because after they um, they kill what they, what they think they've killed it, Tilk and Jack have this exchange and uh, Jack goes, I think it's dead. And Tilk goes, I believe so. Oh, that's not yet. That's in the next scene. That's in my notes. Not yet. It's walking montage. The walking montage comes before that. It's the hiking montage. But they don't talk during the the montage. No. No. There's no hiking montage. This the hiking montage. Then it comes back. I wrote down hiking montage. My apologies. I wrote down. I didn't write it down because it was irrelevant. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing happened. They're wandering a planet. It looks pretty and it's very aesthetic to gift making. Okay, so excuse me. It is pretty, and I love me a dusk silhouette when they're all like silhouetted. I also wrote that down. (laughs) Get out of here, both of you. Mostly, it's pretty ridiculous. I, I want to see proof. Show me your notes. Let's see it, lady. I write really small. It says it says hiking montage to the labyrinth. Also, I'm a sucker for shadow backdrops. So that's basically what. Here, I'll take a I've, picture of mine because I write really I've been small. Proven wrong. I am podcasting with two nerds. All right, mine says walking montage. Love me a nice dusk silhouette. Yeah, I didn't know what to write there, so I wrote shadow backdrops. But there, I have bad handwriting. There now, now, now you have physical proof. Jess. I've been there's two I'm photos. Look, I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm validating both of you because that's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> and now I'm reading the rest of your notes. Carry on. <laughs> uh, so go now. We go back to the labyrinth, and Teal'c is pretty jumpy. And we get the explanation of his understanding of, so the Unas are basically like the mythical nightmare creatures that the Jaffa grow up learning about. They're, they're the, the first. Boogeyman. Which the is kind of cool that they, they have something like that, that other planets would have like boogeymen that they would tell their children about. So like mm-hmm. make them scared. I think that's it's the cool. Vashta Why it brings Can't... scared of the dark. <laughs> Doctor Who, all right. Um, we're, just, we're bringing all sci-fi. Yeah. Speaking of sci-fi, this is on topic, but not related to SG-1. So I'm reading this book called The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. First of all, highly recommend. Everyone should read it. But there's an awesome, it's kind of like reading like published fanfic in that there's not really a plot to it. It's all characters, like development and character interactions and like the writing's really good. But they, they're a bunch of aliens in space, and it's this one alien talking to another alien, and they're saying, like, you know, even though we're all different, we all have, and we all grew up on different planets, we all had the same general evolution, we all have our own, like, cultures, and we all, so kind of like, even though the Jaffa aren't human, they still grew up with a boogeyman story, or they still have their own mythos, like, every culture has, like, parallels between them yeah and it's it doesn't matter like 
I don't know. I thought it was cool. It's and also, I wanted to shout out this book that I'm reading because it's really good. Yeah, there are some archetypes that are pretty universal, seemingly. Yeah. Uh, Teal actually compares it to the vampire myth, is what he says. He said it's kind of like your vampire. I love that he pronounces it vampire. I know. I, I just you know that. Daniel taught it to him. Let's be yeah. real. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> so I'm going to go off topic, kind of like Justin, for a second. Go so, for it. For some reason, whenever I hear the word, the name Kendra, I think of Kendra from Buffy the Vampire. Me right? too! So, <laughs> the fact yes. that... We brought out vampires in the same episode that I think of Kindred and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think is great. Okay. How many like '90s references can we make? Have we done an X Files one yet? Okay. Oh, I have Zena. one later. I have yes, not I an X Files. But, not... but but you brought up Monster of the Week, and I almost wanted to bring up. Uh, uh, sh- never mind. I can't remember the episode. Let's move on. But this this whole episode feels like so '90s and so like it feels '90s sci-fi, and I think it's why it ends up. This is actually one of my favorite episodes. Like the more I was like thinking about it, I was like, this has everything that I love about '90s sci-fi. Yes, yes. this is great. Yep. Yeah, so so Teal'c explains that the Unas were the first hosts that they were born of the same primordial waters as Ooh. the as the Gwauld, which was like actually true when we revisit yes, the Unas too. later In on. Season five. Maybe. Possibly it's, six. Don't quote me. It's uh so he also <laughs> explains what? I think go ahead. Sorry. He explains that Unas can hibernate basically to put themselves into a deep sleep in order to live for much longer. So that explains why it's been there for like a thousand years. So this is when we get the, oh, and this is then, so we get the interesting exchange. So Jack is like, oh, well, if they're these super crazy, powerful creatures, are we sure that it's dead? And Teal'c is like, oh, those are just stories that we tell children to scare them. And I'm like, you didn't think this thing existed and you just (laughs) saw it. Why are you questioning the mythology behind it now? Did you pull the clip where he I, goes, you believe? I did. I pulled the whole I pulled the whole exchange because Go I love it. it. Makes me so happy. The old stories say Unas had great regenerative powers. But those are tales told to frighten children. It is a myth. It was dead. That's good. I believe. You believe? I am certain. Positive. I am. Just a myth. A myth. Good. So great. I love Tilk and Jack together. So They're great. so great. You believe? You believe? But also it's like to kind of harken back to like the horror like tropes. Like so before this Jack hears water splashing around and he like all gets alert and he's like oh, it was nothing. And then Tilk does the exact same thing. He thinks he hears something. Oh, it was nothing. And then they're like trying to convince themselves that the monster is not real and that like they definitely killed it. And it's just like, this is everything about horror movies that I love. Like (laughs) cheesy 90s horror movies that I love. Yeah, I agree. It's really fun. Then we go back to some more walking with Sam and Daniel and Kendra. Yes. And Sam is getting pretty impatient with all the walking they're going and feeling like they're not getting anywhere. And so they they take a seat and kind of try and let Kendra get her bearings. And Daniel is, I think, like, again, I really think Daniel is is pretty sweet. And he's asking her. And so when Sam's getting impatient, he's like, we have to be supportive. And, you know, this is basically she's having to 
face something horrible from her past. And, but then, I mean, he's still asking her questions about it. So it's not like he's exactly steering her away yeah, from I it. I feel like his questions aren't necessarily out of compassion or empathy. No. They're, it's a selfish, like, I need to know your experiences so I can apply it to saving Shari, which is not a bad thing. Like, I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but I also don't think it's necessarily like, oh, you've gone to something terrible and I want to make sure you're okay. I think it's more of a, I need to get information to see how this applies to my situation. Right. But he still does a good job of going about it in a way that isn't super bombastic towards her so that she's yeah. amenable to, to talking to him. And so he, he asks her how, if it was painful when the Goa Wool died and she says the line of something like, not nearly as painful as all of the things that I watched the Goa'uld do in my body, basically. Yeah. Which is so heartbreaking. Is it? Is this? Is this not where she says it was like needles in her brain? Is that later? I don't know. I didn't note that. She. I didn't note that. She. She says it's like having needles in her brain. Huh. Uh, it might have been. I mean, this is when she was kind of talking about how painful it was, and. And and Daniel has a moment of remembering Sharae and saying that she wasn't trained, but she was a fighter and and that and Kendra's like, Oh, you you loved her and he says, I still love her. It's a sweet moment. It's good to get the little reminders that Daniel does love Sharae. Mm, when he remembers her. <laughs> um I'm gonna go out on a limb a little bit here, um, and say that so while Brief Candle did not address the after effects of sexual assault at all, I'm going to kind of like do some analysis here. And Kendra's PTSD essentially post Goa'uld is kind of allegorical, metaphorical, analogous, pick your word, for sexual assault or just assault in general in a, a time in which your agency has been kind of like removed from yourself and i feel like this episode this like walking montage her finding her way back to thor's hammer her facing her fears quote unquote all of this is like her dealing with her trauma mm -hmm. while helping other people and it was one of those like it almost redeems catherine powers from brief candle yeah it's a it's a beautifully written episode it's i i think she it does a very good job actually of kind of showing that i agree so then we go back to the labyrinth and we see the Unas pulling a bullet out of its chest. Which, As you do. Yeah. Well, which I thought was pretty impressive with its like massive fingers and the giant claws on it that it had the dexterity to get the little <laughs> bullet out. And that's pretty, that's pretty much it. The, the, mm -hmm. It just cuts back and we see that the Unas is not dead, which we all knew anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then it goes back to more walking. And they're walking on a really cool-looking kind of aqueduct thing. Mm-hmm. That... Which Thor very uh, generously built for the Sumerians. Yeah, yeah. That's what Thor does. Thor's a good dude. With his hammer. He hammered out every little <laughs> nook and cranny. It's like, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say he didn't use his hammer to make that. How dare you? He's like Fix-It Felix. Thor worked hard on that. <laughs> With his Asgardian technology. <laughs> yes, his hammer. Yep. And so... Mjolnir. 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 They In this episode, they the Thor hologram pronounced it as Mjolnir. 
yeah, that's how it's pronounced it. Okay. Who knows what the real, I mean, someone knows. Well, but a lot of times with some of those ancient words, there are different accepted pronunciations, pronunciations. of it. But I don't know in this case what the accepted pronunciation is. In the MCU, it's Mjolnir. Someone with Nordic background, tell us. Yeah, for sure. We would love to please <laughs> correct us when we're pronouncing foreign words in, in, <laughs> incorrectly. That 100% would be something we would love to hear. Uh, so at this point, Sam is losing it. She is feels like they're wandering around in circles. They're not making any progress. That she's She thinks that Kendra, either consciously or subconsciously, is not taking them to where they want to go because she doesn't want to face it. Yeah. And and it's not like Sam doesn't have reason to believe that. They don't know this woman and they she does have she is exhibiting symptoms of trauma and post traumatic stress. Uh but Daniel Daniel believes in her and he and Sam get into a kind of a full blown shouting match. Well which, and they both have great points. They do not either there's not like one of them's coming at it from a wrong perspective both of their interpretations of the situation could be accurate. Right. Yep. So I'm going to just play a little bit of their argument. Your belief that Kendra can somehow help bring Sharae back to you, it doesn't make it true, and it certainly doesn't make her reliable. Haven't you ever had a feeling that made absolutely no logical sense, and it turned out to be right? Great point. Yeah, well, and, like, his point that, because he mentions that when they're kind of wandering, he's like, well, she was found by hunters and they brought her back and it was in winter and hunters follow game trails. They don't just walk straight from point A to point B. And that's true. And it's not mm-hmm. like she's visited this place since then. Her It was 10 years ago and she was found in winter and she was like sick and ailing. And they, yeah, so I they both have very valid points here. But yeah. I I would argue though like I don't know what Sam's wanting to do instead like what other her original the, plan which would be go back and get the SG team and start a search right but that's so I would say that you at least exhaust the one resource you have that might have an actual lead before you just start fanning out on an entire planet looking true. blind but I guess I guess also she's thinking like tactically like we're wasting precious minutes here. And we're essentially putting all of our eggs in Kendra's basket and hoping that it pans out. Yeah, which I would argue that they could have done the best of both worlds. And before they went looking for Kendra, could have called back to the SGC and been like, hey, send a couple teams to start looking while we follow this one lead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I also think this is kind of also like Sam's first time essentially being in charge. Like her CEO is missing. She's this 2IC. Like it's her her time to kind of like step up and recover her team and i mean we don't know what her command experience i mean we do know because later we find out that was her never mind but my point being (laughs) i stopped my own thought because i just remembered an episode but you know she wants to get her team back and she's in charge and she's kind of trusting daniel's gut and this random woman and i could see her getting cold feet if they've been wandering we don't know we don't get a good sense of how much time has passed she says hours yeah, getting freaked out like this is wasting time. I mean, and it's also dangerous to follow your gut sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in, in, in you're not even following your like it's not even you're following your own gut. You're following somebody else's else's. Gut, so yeah, it's like even more kind of. And so. like you have on the one hand, Daniel's driven to follow and hope that this works because he wants answers for Share. Sam's driven because she needs this to work to get her team back, and so there's kind of like equal desperation 
on both sides. Yeah. And they're both pretty emotionally motivated, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times when they have these kind of disagreements on this show, it is one of them is being more emotional and one of them is being more logical. But in this case, both of them are like super emotional. Like Sam is freaking yeah. out. She wants to find the team and Daniel is determined to find this possible solution for Share. And it just, it does turn out that, that Daniel is right, but Sam could just have, have easily been right. They didn't, neither of them really had that much to go on. Mm hmm. So, yeah, so after that conversation, basically Kendra just calls and says this way and they go back to walking is how it's resolved. Like they don't actually have a, finished the conversation, really. There's no emotional fallout on this show, Chelsea. <laughs> There's none. <laughs> but, uh, it's true. I'm going to keep bringing it up as we as we bring up things like that. I'm just going to keep just saying it over mm -hmm. and over again. <laughs> I mean, you said it a lot when I would text you too about the show as I was watching it. I, um, I'll get to some of those later, especially later in the season. There was a, I think it was Gatecast or it was someone who tweeted out like, if SGU one got rebooted, like, what would you want to see? And I was just like, emotional fallout for God's sakes, please. And more personal relationships, but mostly emotional fallout. Yeah. Yep, for sure. So. So then it goes back to the labyrinth and we see the Unas again and Jack and Teal fire their weapons at it and it kind of backs up and that's it, right? That's all that happens there. Wait, when I chop the Unas again? Yeah, so it shows up and it's like, your weapons can't kill me, your puny Isn't weapons. That and he like falls back against Thor's hammer. No, and that's, no, no we're not, not there yet. yet. We're not there yet. They fight, he just falls again? back around a corner, basically, yeah. and oh, then they yeah, run away. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of like runs away. I think I was making dinner at that scene. Yeah. So my my, my next note way, is the big fight. Oh yeah, that's the way dedicated to the podcast. Hey, I was hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's fine. So so then it cuts back to Daniel, Sam, and Kendra who have arrived to like outside the yes. labyrinth. Which woohoo! Again, I know I just noted again that I really like Kendra at this yeah. point, and that I'm sad we don't get to see her again. Another, I have another reference. It's not even important. No, no reference away. It is important. So Sam asks to look for a lever in in the in the room. <laughs> Why do we even have that lever? I'm jumping ahead. She asks to look for a lever, and I'm thinking, oh, this is like Indiana Jones and uh, the <laughs> do when the little thing, the little thing rolls in uh, Steven Spielberg's ex-wife, unless they're still married. I don't know. Uh, Kate Capshaw has to reach her hand in there and pull the lever. Interesting. <clears throat> That's all you, buddy. You didn't, you, oh. Have you seen Indiana Jones? Yes. Okay. Wait, so this scene that we're talking about, is that the one where she's, like, psyching herself up, Kendra, and how she, like, needs to face her fear? Um, not quite. All, my notes are kind all of, over the place. Well, they, that kind of is, is sprinkled throughout, so but, like, a she little gives, bit. Like, uh, is this the one where they're like right at the mouth of the labyrinth and Sam and Daniel are like, you can stay here? Like, no, and they're like, so they're still basically outside the mountain. Oh, I thought we were inside the mountain. That's what, no, they so they got to the outside and they saw they see the hammer and Kendra is kind of freaked out and she talks about how, but then they go in, they go into like just the mouth of the cave, basically. Yeah, 
Okay, then I was way ahead. Sorry. Continue. You're good. And she, so she mentions that there's a monster in there, basically, because they're asking her yeah. for more details. They're like, what's like in there? What's happening? And a lot of tunnels. And I think this is where it comes out that like Thor is in there and they sort of, yeah. she's like, he's in there, but he's not. Yeah. My beast thought he wasn't real. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and so she's kind of nervous about going in and then gets bossed around by thunder again. Yeah. And what I wrote in my notes is this poor traumatized woman who just keeps getting like bossed around by thunder. It's yeah. Really- Thor tells me I must go with you. Yeah. It's like, no, the thunder just rolled, buddy. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it did. Garth Brooks, what's up? Yeah. So so then we so now they're so close. I they so then the scenes and they start doing the back and forth a little more closely. Yeah. And um, so Jack and Teal have found Mjolnir. And you guys, I just don't understand this scene because Jack walks through the hammer and then he turns around. And he's like, come on, Teal. Like, he doesn't know that that's like they already know that maybe it's going to try and kill his symbiote. Like they established that. Teal said, I have to stay here. I can't leave. It's going to kill my symbiote and then I'll die. And yeah, Jack is like, come on, buddy. Maybe Jack thinks if like Tilk runs at it, it'll be okay. Like you can like <laughs> dodge it or like, I don't know. Maybe Jack was just thinking that like it could be beat because he wasn't like an actual gold. Like, you, I don't know. Or maybe... You know, even even though Jack walked through it the first time, maybe he thought something would have happened and nothing happened at all. Like maybe even like like a little spark or something, uh-huh. and nothing happened. So he's like, "We're good. Yeah. Come on, let's go. He'll he'll be fine. He'll be okay." Yeah, yeah. Or maybe he just didn't understand how the hammer worked. Maybe that was like a metaphor. Yeah. So anyway, so Teal follows Jack and he gets stuck in it and he's all in pain. And Jack's like, "Get out of there!" And Teal is frozen and can't move. And so Jack tackles him yes which again ride or die these two Mm -hmm. and i also noted that jack is slash rda is such a hockey player the way that he knocks him out of there because i was like dude that was a terrible tackle but because it was a check (laughs) he didn't tackle him he checks him I, because in my notes I wrote, he and I need to have a chat about how he tackles because it's not good. No. But, I mean, as long as you check him when you get him out of the red <laughs> beam thing, you know, it, it, whatever works. It's cool. <laughs> uh, so then it cuts back outside and, and Daniel and Sam are putting on their helmets. <laughs> Which I think is so cute. I know. Which again, which again, when you brought it up a couple weeks ago about how they wear the helmets because it's it's for tactical reasons. Because in 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 combat, you're gonna be wearing your helmet. You're not gonna not wear your helmet. And right. So I was like, oh, we're hawking back at what Chelsea said. They're putting on their helmets <laughs> because they're about to go into this cave. Yeah. Good job, team. Yeah. Yep. Can um, I also say I had like severe anxiety this entire scene because I noticed. For the majority of the episode, with the exception of upfront when Gerwin is talking to Sam and Daniel, but Daniel this is gonna be so nitpicky, and you can I can feel eyes rolling. But Daniel is like standing in front of Sam for like a good chunk of the episode. Like even though they're both having a conversation, Daniel's standing in front of Sam. Then at this scene, when they're getting ready to like go into a tactical situation. Daniel is in front and Sam is behind. And the entire episode, uh, the entire scene, I'm like, Sam, I swear to God, if you don't step forward and take point, 
Sam, you take point. You take point. <laughs> and then finally, like they buckle. They say, Kendra, you don't have to come. But she's like, yeah, I got to go. And then Sam does step forward and takes point. And I let out like the biggest sigh of relief. I was like, that's right. You take point. You get out from behind him. Come on, girl. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you go back and watch, she is behind him for a huge portion of the episode. It's so frustrating. Okay, but maybe she's behind him because she's watching their back. Who would okay. you rather have? Who would you rather have watching your back? Would you rather have Sam watching your back, or would you rather have Daniel watching? Your Look, back? all I know is I want Sam taking point on the tactical invasion of this cave, and we got it. And I was like, "That's all I want." Good, yeah. I I thought it was funny that they like get all geared up, right? They like put their helmets on. They know they're entering danger, and then they're like, "You don't have to come with us, Kendra." And she's like, "Yeah, I do." And then they don't even offer her a weapon. <laughs> like nothing they're like okay well we got our vests on and our helmet and our weapons you all right come on (laughs) you'll be fine uh so then we go back to the labyrinth and there's this great moment so at first jack looks at the exit and when he first glances at it i was like oh is he like thinking about the fact that he because jack could just walk out of here at this point but so the unas is coming around and Jack looks at the exit, and he looks at Teal'c, and we get this exchange. Are you considering the same tactic as I? Teal'c, the cliche is, are you thinking what I'm thinking? The answer is yes. <laughs> great. So great. Is that our first reference from Jack from cliches? No. Yes. No, no it's not. Emancipation, you got all the strings. Yes, you're so right. I uh, forgot, sorry. I yeah, said yes that's okay to, to forget that one. Yeah, no, I forgot that one. You right. So, so yeah, so I love it that first that they get we get that fun exchange and how on the same wave, wavelength they both are. Yeah, they're just they understand they're warrior each other. Bros. Yeah. So then we get the I and I pulled this and we can cut it shorter. I pulled the whole freaking monologue from the Unas just because I love James Earl <laughs> Jones's voice so much. It's kind of long. I can I can we can choose which part of it to use, but. The, I love it that this like hulking monster come in comes in and it freaking monologues. Like. <laughs> well, he's almost like trying to convince um, Teal'c. Teal'c, thank you, uh, to join him. Like the fuck you doing with this human? Yep. Like get over here. Yep, yep. So here we get some awesome voice acting by James Earl Jones. I love it so much. <laughs> I go get you. I I I love it. Props to James Earl Jones. He kills everything he does. Yeah. Also, like, props to SG-1 for scoring James Earl Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a little outside their budget wheelhouse, but right on. I but mean, to be fair, he didn't say a lot. He had, no. like, that he, one, he had that little monologue, and he had, like, a tiny monologue before that, and that was really it. it was lots he of probably boring. did it, like, over breakfast in his own home into, like, a tape recorder and, like, <laughs> sends it in. Yeah, it was like 10 minutes of ADR. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, that's cute. This cute little sci fi show wants my voice. Sure, I'll lend it. <laughs> Maybe he'd worked yeah. with one of the directors or producers or something. What I wrote in my notes is like, why is Jack staying? Duh, he and Teal are BFFs. <laughs> He's not leaving him. But it's also funny that, like, the show, I don't like the show, like, Jack looks back at the hammer, like, as if the show wanted us to believe that Jack would ever leave Teal'c. And it's like, you're trying to build a tension that's just like never gonna, Jack's never gonna leave behind his person. 
and he's I don't think he ever seriously considered consider yes he would never do that because I mean Jack is the good guy Jack is Jack no man left behind O'Neill he doesn't he would never leave Teal'c but I appreciate the show for trying to imply that he would. So I so I thought the same. So I wrote in my notes, Jack looked at the, at the exit like he could leave. But I think he was actually looking at the exit. and Because then the next line Strategy. is, are you thinking what I'm thinking? He was yeah. thinking, if we get the Unas into that door, yeah. then we can we can kill it. That's true. So yeah, the, so then Teal'c fights the Unas with the staff weapon and is such a badass. Mm-hmm. He puts up a good fight. He does. He really does. And he, Jack is pretty much just watching because he gets immediately shoved aside. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Coulson in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. who spends most big fights like unconscious on the ground. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I know. Uh, puny human. And so then Teal'c fights him and forces him into the hammer, but he's like in with it. And I had, so then I also wrote that in my, wait, where did I, oh, not, not quite yet. So he's like, he, he didn't, he's trying to force him into the hammer. So they're fighting. And then it cuts yeah. back to Sam and Daniel and Sam and Daniel hear the gunfire. Yeah. And they're like, oh, something bad is happening. We need to get in there. But and they're so close to me. Yeah. They're so close. They can't get through. And <laughs> can we talk about what happens next? Yes. Please, Chelsea, please. They're this stupid ass song okay Kendra's like all right i got it <laughs> all right so this is what happens calm the rune flow read the mind see the rainbow test the white what the fuck okay wait 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 it's wait 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 <laughs> wait 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 so this is what it made me think of feel the rhythm feel the rhyme get on up it's bucklet time <laughs> Like the, make it has a bump <laughs> The pacing of it, like it's the same syllables and the same pacing. <laughs> I'm just trying to like envision, like knowing that this is actually the Asgard, like the Asgard, the Thor that we know, being like, I know a safeguard to get into this magical, very important place is you have to put your hand here and your hand here. You sing a song. What the fuck? <laughs> it's so dumb. And then Kendra would be like, wait, I recall this from my temple readings. It's like, all right, we have a new do uh, back and I here a little bit. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. I don't even, I'm not even quite sure why they have to get in there in the first place. Like, why can't they just wait till they come out? Yeah, because then they actually don't end up contributing at all. At all. Nope. <laughs> Yep. So, uh, so then it cuts back, and the Unas is near the hammer, and Teal knocks him into the hammer. And I wrote in my notes: See, now Teal hits like a football player. <laughs> <laughs> also, I have to note it because we've noted it about other characters: his ass in that scene <laughs> when he is like driving him into the door. I was like, damn, Christopher Judge. <laughs> get it teal yeah yeah so teal is now holding hit holholding the unas in the in thor's hammer and basically is gonna sacrifice himself to kill to kill the unas and then jack just yoinks him out of there because mm-hmm. not on his watch Mm-mm. and then the unas collapses and teal is like well without the goa wool it will die because it already has like all these injuries the bullet wounds and shit they unloaded like two clips worth of bullets into his chest to get him into the thor's hammer thing yeah 
And now our team is finally actually back together. Yay! Yay, team! Except. Oh, man. This this scene, you guys. Oof. It's so good and so yeah. painful. It's so good. It just, like, Daniel is so earnest and excited in Jack's face because he knows what they... And there's no question what J the decision that Jack is going to make here. But... It's just I feel I feel so much for Daniel in this in this scene. I, I think I'll just play the clip. I can't remember exactly how much of it I pulled. She had firsthand knowledge. She was a ghouled. The hammer works. Do you know what this means? It's the only way out of here, Daniel. But what this thing can do for Shari and Skara, Teok's here now. And here I will remain. I was with those who took the ones you love. No. You're part of this family now. We're not leaving you behind. Oh, oh gosh. That's <laughs> so much. I can't. I can't. There's like so much happening in this scene because this is one of the first times that we really get Teal speaking directly to Daniel about the fact that he was at least pretty significantly responsible for what happened to to Share and Skara. And it's just so heartbreakingly beautiful that he like he's 100% prepared to atone for that. Mm -hmm. And and I do think so. I think it says something the way the rest of the scene plays out that first of all, Jack's Jack's face because you know we know he loves Skara and that he wants Daniel to have Sharae back as much as anyone but like there's no decision to be made here there's the life they have in front of them or the possibility of another of other lives in the future I do think it's interesting though it's not a knock on Daniel like I understand Daniel's perspective and position but I do find it interesting that it's not Daniel's first, like Daniel needs convincing almost not, not like a lot of convincing. I don't think, but he needs a reminder that like, yes, this is a piece of technology that would have helped us, but we can't sacrifice the people and the family that we have here and now, like Daniel needs that reminder and that pullback of big picture. And like, because and I say this because it's Daniel who is trying to, remind jack of what they have at their fingertips and then jack purposefully and i don't know if i think it's purposely absolutely hands purposely. him he could have hand, done it himself he could have handed it to sam but he hands daniel the uh energy staff weapon and makes daniel be the one to destroy thor's hammer yep and what? and he, it, it is daniel making the decision to get rid of this technology to save his current family yeah no, for sure. Go ahead, Mel. No, I'm, I was agreeing. I'm agreeing with whatever. What <laughs> yeah. No, I, I even I wrote like that Jack made a very specific decision to have Daniel be the one to do it. it. And I agree, like it had to be Daniel because otherwise I think there could have easily been resentment harbored. And so I think they did a good job of setting up this whole episode to this point because Jack has spent the entire episode thinking about how am I going to get Teal'c out of here? Right. Whereas Daniel has spent the entire episode thinking, did I? Did we find a way to save Sharae? And right. so when they get together, 
of course, Daniel is like, we did it. We found a way to save Sharae. And Jack is like, no, we got to save, we got to save Teal'c. And, and it's a, I think it's a great moment. And honestly, like to Daniel's credit, all it takes is Jack saying, he's family, do it. And Daniel does it with a little bit of hesitation, but very little hesitation. And then when Teal'c comes through, his, his, the Daniel basically just says, well, at least we know it's possible. I, I honestly, this is actually, I think, a really good Daniel episode in terms of he takes it pretty well. Well, and also he says, at least we know it's possible. And yet we like meet the Asgard how many times? And no one's like, hey, remember that tech you use on that Sumerian planet? Could you just set one of those up for us on Earth? That'd be phenomenal. Really helpful for us. We could save our family and friends who've been captured. Uh, we could help free other planets. Any chance? No? Oh, oh, okay. We're just going to forget this episode existed. Well, I yeah. also feel like later on, as Sam gets more and more experience with alien technology, she probably could go back and maybe even figure out how to fix it. Which, side note, this is not related at all. But if you haven't read The Love That Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger by Nice Hat Georgia on AO3, you should. She uses this to her advantage in a fantastic way. And you should all go read it. I, I agree. It's freaking fantastic. It's so good. And a beautiful use of this little plot yes. device here. Which SU1 just forgets about for 10 We're hand-waving again, guys. We're hand-waving. Not, I mean, but we don't, though, because SU1... No, it's a great episode. Well, no, SU1 friggin' borked Samaria. They took away their global killing thing. They did. Well, but to be fair, though, to be fair, I, I, did, I just wrote no. that down. I, I, I wrote that down because I was like, look, I mean, I get it. We saved Teal. Yes. What? Well, she was going like this. I oh, know. I was just the zappy part still works. The thing that sends it to the cave still works. Which, yeah. is why they, which is why they were like, just block in the cave. Right. Well, right. So so what I was saying was is that is I wrote that down that, that I mean, we saved Teal, you know, but, you know, kind of if a ghoul tries to come to this planet or whatever, like it's possible they can get out and they can, you know, tell everybody else that, you know, we can come here and take people or whatever. But, yeah. um, but, but then Jack said, or Sam said that you can close, you can barrier to the, the exit. And then Jack even was kind of like, but they don't know it's broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So unless they come here and find out that it's broken, they're not going to know that their Google device isn't broken. But, they but we find out later come. that they found it out. That they it come. I know, I know, I know. Spoiler alert, they do come. Yeah. That's what she said. <laughs> sorry. Thanks, I'm not Michael sorry. Scott. You're welcome. So, I, I mean, I, I I, think it's interesting that they go to the, the point of being like, oh, we didn't actually totally leave these people up a creek without a paddle. Like, because it's true. Like, okay, you bury the, the exit and then you just built a prison for Goa'uld instead right. of a Goa'uld removal device. Uh, it should still be medium effective, but clearly not. I do find myself like in like a weird place because like I almost feel like this. I'm jumping way ahead in seasons, but like I can't stand Daniel when he gives the Unos the guns and like face like uh, the no, war or whatever. No. No, hang on, hang on. No, so I can't stand I'm that episode. Right? So I can't stand that episode. But yet I'm perfectly okay with Jack. Basically saying, hey, let's destroy this ghoul device and then basically get this planet later on, you know, destroyed because we just we've destroyed their ghoul device. I'm cool with that, but I'm not cool with 
the whole Unoth Civil War thing. It is way different. Those are different scenarios, but I, I, I do think that our Jack Bias is real. I do think the Jack Bias is real. <laughs> well, he's the best character in the whole entire universe, so what are you going to do? Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one, <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah, so Kendra thanks them for helping her face her fears. It's very sweet, and I love Kendra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Daniel does the, has the adorable thing where he's like, oh, I almost forgot. And he runs over to the map and grabs yes. the Sagan box. Well, because Kendra gives them like a little rune. Oh, yeah. She gives him a rune. I looked the rune up because that's oh. what I do. What, yeah. what was what it? What was it? Um, so it's it's called like the An- the Ansher, I think. Is, if I'm, I'm probably not pronouncing that right at all. But that's What's it what, mean? That's what Wiki said. Uh, it's a it's, uh, it's it's a reference to the ancestral god Odin, and then it ha- like a little definition that said, uh, basically like you need to like listen to your message within, so like listen to like a little voice in your head. Hmm, um, that's advice cool. from uh, advice from others, chance encounters, care- careful thoughts, so you will know what to do from this point on. Oh, so nice. This, po- this point in time. Sorry. Very thematic. That's really cool. So, Thanks for looking it up. Good, good. Yeah, thank you. way to go, Melly. Good podcasting. <laughs> uh, and so then he gives Kendra the box and tells her to pass it on to Thor if they mm-hmm. see him. If he comes back. If he comes back. Yep. Which spoiler alert? Yes. <laughs> it takes a too little, too late situation though. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that's the episode. Yeah. Also, before the end the episode, I just want to say I really like the line when. Jack tells Daniel to dial home before it starts to rain, and there's just like thundering in like the distance. Yeah, I just like that. Yeah, no, like it's that. it's really cute. It's fun. And then the episode ends. We're good. <laughs> Sorry, just wanted to add that. It's a good episode. I like the episode. Who wants? So to- why don't you you can kick us off then by rating it. All right, I'm gonna give this episode. I would. I think I'll give it six out of five. Five out of seven. Like five and a half. <laughs> five and a half out of seven chevrons because so i mean i i love it because i love the tilk and and jack dynamic so much i love getting more tilk anytime i think i think i mean honestly my one of my only complaints is that it is kind of a mildly sam light episode but mm-hmm. i really love the locals like i love the local culture i love the local mythology i like kendra i like Garwin, 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 Garwin. I I like pretty much everything about it. I except for some of the obnoxious hand waving. <laughs> that that's really the only thing that that knocks it down in in my book. And I guess if I were rating it just as this episode without the context of what I know comes in the future, I would actually give it a six out of seven. But I have some frustrations about the fact that. We had like this was one I would have loved to revisit more. I know we revisit it once, but there was so much here, and they even talk about how like we want to come back, and and it kind of plays into like the hand the devices and things, and just how much more awesome information there was here that is so underutilized. The temple and the fact that there are people who can train themselves to fight back against Goa with mind control. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so this is so much rich with things that they could have done and they didn't. So as an episode on its own, I'll give it six out of seven. But in terms of how it fits into the greater universe, I'll give it five out of seven just because of my frustrations about that. Mm-hmm. OK, 
can I just ditto your rating? That's literally pretty much almost exactly what I was going to say. That like, like I don't actually have anything negative against the episode. Like I, I think it's a it's a great episode. It has all the things that I like. It's very enjoyable. It's very rewatchable. It my complaint is that it's a little Sam light and a little Daniel heavy, but that's just my personal preference. Uh, it's a necessary episode. It's well placed to remind us that in the grand scheme of things, that we are fighting a Goa'uld and on the hunt for Shari and Skara in a way to not only save them, but bring them back from being Goa'uld hosts. It's a great episode, and it should deserve a 6 out of 7. It's not a perfect episode, it's not a favorite episode, but it's highly rewatchable. And then you remember where it is in the context of the entire series, and you're just like, eh, you done fucked up a little bit, because you have this great setup, and then you don't execute it properly. So I'm going to ditto Chelsea's scoring of 5 out of 7, but on its own, 6 out of 7. So I also gave it a 5 out of 7. <laughs> but and much for the reasons that you've already said, so I, I love the, the Jack Teal moments in the episode. I love how they brought in North Mytho- North Mytho- Myth- You got this. You got this. North Mythology. Nope. She's- <laughs> nope, she don't got it. Norse Mythology. Yes. Boom! <laughs> Into their SG-1 mytho- mythos. Yeah, uh, I like how that kind of fits together kind of good well. Um, I like, I, y'all said it was kind of Sam light, which it is, but I like the moments that Sam had in the episode. I like that we get introduced to the Unos. I like that James Earl Jones just happened to be the voice of the Unos. Mm-hmm. Bonus points nice. for me Bonus. because Lion King, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So isn't that weird though? We all have all these great positive things and yet we're like five out of seven. <laughs> but, but for me personally, it's not one that I like to go back and rewatch mm-hmm. um, because I find it more. I, again, it has good moments, but I find it more story heavy. And yeah. the I like to go back and rewatch are not quite as story heavy. So just for the rewatchability and things like that, it's just a. It's a. I mean, it's a great episode, but it's a five out of seven for me. Our air medal award goes to. I'm nominating Kendra. Yeah. Kendra. That's who I would want to give it to. She faced her fears, dealt with her trauma, helped SG-1, yeah. helped her people. All around, great gal. Gave us a lot of important information for the series as a whole. Again, maybe they don't utilize it great, but yep. still just a lot of a lot of awesome things from Kendra. She and Gerwin are chilling in her cabin. Uh, you know, getting busy. Yeah. Visiting. Healing. <laughs> yeah oh yeah that's the it was just a thunder that was that sound last night don't 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 worry about it it was just a thunder thor was real happy (laughs) no you said thunder so many times and now i have imagined dragons in my head (laughs) yeah feel the thunder Mm -hmm. the lightning lightning and the thunder thunder. (laughs) (laughs) we get to do the torment of tantalus on thursday i hope y'all are Chelsea, I need you to bring your A plus A game Daniel Defense Squad <laughs> because I got a lot of thoughts and feelings. All right. I, I'll i do my best. So yeah, so we talk about Terminator Tantalus next week. Uh, if you disagree with anything we said or you agree with everything we said or you have something completely unrelated to this and you just want to come talk to us, you can email us at chevronsblock7 at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at chevronsblock7. And you can find me, Jess, on Twitter at Prof Tenant or on Tumblr at Professor Tenant. No one has messaged me about this, but I will continue to put my name out there in the hopes that someone will one day message me about it. <laughs> Sorry, you can find me, Melanie, on uh, Twitter at Melanie Martian, M A R S H A N, 
or you can find me on Tumblr at my stupid dumb fuckboy. And you can find me, Chelsea, on Twitter at Cahils or on Tumblr at Pianosa 2 to the Fighting 8. Time to go to work. I love that moment, though. We didn't really talk about it because I was planning on using it at the end. You mean that time that Sam and Jack stood next to each other and looked at the Stargate and Jack said, time to go to work. And Sam looked at him with stars in her eyes and kind of smiled. And then they both walked up the Stargate ramp that time. Yeah, that time. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I love how you can take the most like minimalist moment. <laughs> and you can be like, you're for this time and make it like 20 pages long. <laughs> Uh, well, the funny that thing I is have. that the, the first time I was watching this, like, I already knew Sam and Jack was a thing, and I already knew I was going to ship it. Like, I'd mm-hmm. seen all of Melanie's gifts. <laughs> it was going to happen. <laughs> but uh, but I still was like, I I mean, I loved the, the both of the characters. I thought they had great chemistry, but I was like, I'm not, I'm not seeing the romance. I'm not seeing the romance until, like, Solitudes and after. Like, I don't know. I guess there, there's some before that, but none on this on this rewatch. It's like I'm I'm like just now. Like every time they're in a room together, I'm like, you guys, 